You are now listening to Food for Thought. Food for Thought. Food for Thought. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Food for Thought, episode five today. My name is Yeah. My name's Kim. My name's Nat. We have Nat. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> Here we go. What's up, bro? How yeah. are you, bro? What's going I'm on? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just having my coffee. Do you guys have? Do you guys have like your teaspoon in your coffee while you drink it? No. Uh, I'll take it out. No. I think it's no, just, definitely I think, not. Like, I think I've been doing it since I was a kid with like Milo. Uh, yeah. So like, I would just keep stirring it so it doesn't kind of settle into the bottom of the cup. Oh, yeah. I, I always make it at the bench and stir vigorously until yeah. it's all dissolved and then it's gone and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know why I'm discussing this right now wait for it to dissolve so I'm just like yeah, yeah. 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 you got to smash it quickly as well otherwise it like kind of comes back and you're like oh no yeah bro bad <laughs> that's interesting but yeah how's uh how's your self-isolation going bro yeah good man um like I wasn't quite sure with it at the start, but you know, um, all I knew is that I I was excited to kind of have more time at home, and mm. it was um, it was actually really good, bro. Um, I feel like now that I'm kind of used to it a little bit, mm. um, I kind of find a better balance with like what to do with my time and yeah, you know, all that. Like I do miss work, and like I still work like, you know, once a, once a week kind of thing. But um, it is nice to kind of work in my own hours and, you know, kind of um, have a lot more time for myself and do all the things that I like. So, mm. Yeah, man. Dope. That's awesome. It's good. Yeah, I feel like everyone's like slowly adjusting to what's happening. I feel like the first couple of weeks, everyone was a bit like just in shock. And yeah. like, I can't believe this is actually happening. But now I guess like it's a good time for everyone to kind of actually let it soak in you know what I mean and be like all right cool it's not the end of the world it's just like a change and I think everyone's just like oh okay cool let's just adjust I think people are good at adjusting I guess it just takes time for some people yeah like I feel like you know I think as as humans we're like we're pretty ready to adapt in like certain conditions and whatnot and we tend to like surprise ourselves on like Mm. you know um, what like our, our capabilities are True. And like we're also like a creature of habit at the same time. So you know when when we can when we know that there's going to be a change, we kind of freak out a little bit. Yeah. When yeah. Happens. We're like, oh, you know what? Yeah. All right. Let's just roll with it. And then like, like you know, we kind of just keep on going with what we're doing, I guess. And it's, it's funny. All of our um, habits will have formed right when all the quarantine ends. we would be used to it and everybody will love it and then it'll end and everyone's just gonna miss it yeah like (laughs) that's enough guys (laughs) oh man she's on her toes (laughs) yeah like yeah i was just talking to um like some of my clients today as well and just like you know i think this is like a really good time for us to find that balance and like just discover what works and what doesn't and Mm. you know um I don't even know if it's necessary to go back to so-called what's normal anymore. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I feel like um, even us as individuals and even companies and corporates and whatnot, like, you know, they'll probably find new ways to, you know, um, work in a better condition of people can work from home more often who, whoever wants to, which means that they don't have to create that big of a, 
like a space for an office because we don't need to be there you know like, yeah i yeah. feel like it's never going to be the same from yeah. now like because some people will see the value in discovering how to learn online um yeah. and like transforming their businesses online they might prefer to do it online yeah. and like I, I just feel like you know this has never happened before so like we're never going to be the same anyway but in a positive way yeah as well sure, yeah yeah definitely i feel like it's a big audit like just a big audit on life where it's like is this necessary and mm-hmm. it kind of makes you like just check yourself and be like all right what am i doing like what do i actually enjoy doing now like now that everything is like pause you don't really have that pause time like you can do that for yourself maybe you go on holiday or whatever it is but this is the first time where like you legit have to stop and just kind of like think about what is going on and the whole world is doing the same thing so you don't feel as bad as well where you're not like you're not like missing out on what's happening it's just like yo stop what's happening like what's going on yeah for sure man like we yeah we tend to find out what we like and what we don't like and what what we really need and what we don't need you exactly. know? it just kind of strips down everything and you know you can see it like you can see it so much clearer now as well yeah. and hopefully everyone can like discover that and you know i think make a better decision to you know kind of move forward in like what they want to do that suits their personal needs more than- yeah i feel like one discovery that everybody has figured out is the importance of human connection yeah you know everybody's like oh you know it's it's so good to like talk to people and like you know interact and connect i'm like it's always been good (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like it's not new but um it's a big wake-up call for everybody to you know like like put themselves out there to really connect you know on a deeper level yeah definitely so i'm gonna i'm gonna take it back one sec to um see i guess how you know we got to where we are today and ask you about your origin story knack um in terms of dance so um i guess let's let's take it back to how you first even got introduced to dance um yeah how did it all start for you like where does this come from to get to where you are today and your understanding of i guess the world um but from a dance perspective, yeah. How do, how did it all kind of begin for you? Um, it depends on how like how far back you want to go. Like I I um I think ever since I was a kid, I've always loved um, music. Uh, this was like taken back to maybe when I was like you know five, four or five years old. Like as as soon as I can like remember, music has always been a part of like me and my family. Not necessarily. Play- playing music it's just like having music on around the house and you know watching music videos and um like you know apart from buying toys like my next kind of best thing to buy would be like cassette tapes Mm. you know and like these these weren't even like english music this was like me back in thailand like listening to high pop music and you know um i think uh growing up in like early 90s that was when um often like you know there were like thai hip-hop bands and stuff like that and i and um yeah it wasn't really kind of like you know i didn't really think anything of it until um later later on when um 
in my teenage years more. But yeah, like music has always been kind of like a part of me and I always really enjoy uh, listening to music and, you know, I learned how to like kind of follow the rhythm from just listening to a lot of music, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I did like a couple of um, like school dances and stuff like that back in like primary school and um, like yeah, the the one that I can remember the most would be like my grade six graduation that was um, oh. we had to choreograph to like an NSYNC uh, <laughs> medley and like the teachers just kind of forced a bunch of boys together and yeah, like yeah, we called ourselves Burn City Area Squad, and no, back back in those days, <laughs> um, yeah, like we we basically just had to put a show together, and I have no idea how the heck the dance then, you know, but we, we made it through, and it was um, yeah, and I didn't I didn't really follow through with it. I just thought it was fun. Mm. Um, I kind of got introduced to it properly or like, you know, kind of took an interest when um, when You Got Serves came out. This hey. was I think, back Sorry. in 2003. Yeah. Yeah, I think 2002, 2003. Yeah, and um, like, you know, I just like watching it. I, I didn't really try any of it or like, you know, I started watching movies like Honey and then Save the Last Dance was out like roughly the same time as well. And I think that was like just near the whole um, hip hop era, R&B kind of thing, and then um, yeah, I didn't really do much until I'd say 2006. That was um, when I was in year 11. Uh, yeah, year 11 was probably I was I was 16. You know, at that point where I think overage clubbing was like a tape like a taboo thing that True. a lot of like underage boys would really want to do just to like you know just to feel that sense of excitement um not not saying it was a, a good thing but i felt like i was with a good enough group of friends that i was with to be able to get in there and um be exposed to something that i can see that i could like take for good mm. more than you know um seeing things inside the club that you know I could have easily be persuaded in, but I met dance and I met dancers inside mm. the club um, here. Yeah, there was a club called P1 back in the days. And, um, platform P1. Oh, under, I remember Platform uh, 1. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, wow. Underneath um, the Street train station. Yeah. Uh, man, that place was crazy. Like, that was when I met um, crumpers for the first time and like you know uh, the guy that got me in he was like yo this guy's a crumper i'm like what's that and i was like <laughs> just watch this and i was just like what's that i wasn't exposed to that you know and it was right. it was, yeah, it was amazing yeah like you know he's, he's still a, a good friend of mine as well his name is foo like you know he's a dj and he's like, really, um in the crump game here as well so yeah man um, we kind of like became friends after that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then I met all the B-boys. There was like actual like breakdance battles in the club back then. Like mm. you don't really see it now at, at all. But yeah, like back then all the actual like B-boys from like KO crew and delinquents crew and mm. like, you know, um, even some of the fresh, like fresh socks crews and stuff like that were still clubbing in those days. They're not too old to quit just yet, you know? Like I yeah. was like, enough to... Um, be there to see and witness it live 
And yeah, man, like um, I got thrown into a circle the very first night I went in. And oh, what did you do? Oh, man, I <laughs> tried, but I did. I, <laughs> I didn't try very hard, but I, I definitely did try. And yeah, I got smoked. Um, and I think that that was when I like I I got I'm a lot more curious about it. Um, uh, wow, like you know, I thought these were just like all in the movies, but seeing it in person and just that energy from the circle and from the crowd and everything i was like oh man i gotta try this you know and then yeah me and my friends yeah. we just like jumped on youtube started like you know learning how to break started doing cartwheels in the backyard started <laughs> doing handstands in the backyard and then let's go work on our handstands yeah man like we all started from that like yeah i, I yeah. feel like a lot of the boys and a lot of the girls like we started from just like seeing somebody else like it's either from like you know a good environment or situation but um or a bad one and then like you know that sparked something that you wanted to kind of like step up and to be like okay like if that person can do it why can't i do it i want to prove myself that i can do it kind of thing so um yeah i started learning on youtube i started uh, um going into an arcade off Burke Street in Melbourne called um, Tavoli Arcade. Oh, yeah. That was where, like, you know, I met a lot of, like, a lot of um, breakdancers out there. Yeah, and, like, uh, you know, we were just hanging out at the back. Uh, it kind of had, like, this hierarchy of skills when you walk into the, the thing. Like, the, the deeper you go into the lane, which means the, the more noob you are, and then True. more, like, like the, the front line of the arcade would be, like, where all the pros are just mm. practicing like crazy power moves and all that kind of stuff and like yeah i was always just at the back all the time <laughs> you know, it's like that. they're defending the culture for the public yeah right yeah no, like, <laughs> like you know, we have to look a certain way right here yeah you, it's you where you're ready for back. showcase <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah no it was cool man like you know um, i met um like a whole lot of like really really good dancers who are willing to kind of have a chat and talk to and then you know, I think that was where I, I learned that, like, you know, um, no matter how good you are or how well-respected you are, like, it doesn't matter as long as you're a nice person or as long as you're willing to approach um, someone that's beginning mm. or you know, someone that's starting off. It's always a good foundation for them to, to have. Definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, I started from there and then went on, oh, my gosh, I'm going on like that hella tangent right now oh, that's good that's cool yeah, bro it's a big like hole. an untold story <laughs> but like do you remember who it was that kind of set you off on that you know like understanding that being a great dancer doesn't necessarily um, correlate to being a great person you know what i mean like do you remember who it was that kind of just approached you and just like maybe for them it wasn't big but mm. You can see that for you, it was a it was a good influence. It was a good start. Um, do you remember who it was that was just like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of a lot of the ones that I've met were basically just b boys. Uh, I don't even know which crew they were they they were in at at the time or even now, or even if they're still dancing. But I know there was a there was a homie. His name is Roger. He lives in Hong Kong now, actually. Um, yeah, so like he was the one who kind of taught me um, like techniques to, you know, um, to do like practice handstands and how 
to like keep balance and which part of your body you need to kind of activate a lot. Uh, there's also um, a good mate of mine as well. His name is Peter, but he goes by Squidgy. Everyone knows Squidgy at the time. So uh, like shout outs to all the dancers in like my generation. Um, yeah, if you know Squidgy, like, you know, he's, he's such a cool dude, man. Like loves anime, he's a gamer. He is just like- Was he the guy that always did like memes back in the day? um or like equivalent to like like a troll on the b-boy forums and stuff oh man see like the thing is i'm not even on like, any b-boy forums i was just right yeah all the time yeah so i would have been the generation underneath the one that was under you so yeah probably yeah, yeah. yeah. so like you know it must have changed like throughout um yeah so squeegee was there uh there's another guy his name's hero uh from japan i think he was rocking with like delinquents and then he was good friends with ko as well but i'm not too sure if it was there but all the the ko guys were there as well like alan tofu like you know tofu was always there and i remembered um like he would always just say hi and like reflex was always there too his holopacks yeah easy stuff man and yeah like um Oh, dude. Oh, there's when Jerry. There's Falcon. Guy. Yeah, yeah, Falcon. He's yeah. like, like, I always feel like he's like a badass. Like, he's like the badass of KO. Yeah. yeah. And like, he's, he's actually a really cool dude too. Like, you know, just like, he loves that culture, bro. That B-boy culture. Like, you know, it's always about like, like he lives that shit. Like, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, um, I think I, yeah, there was, um, Ninja was there as well. Alex, I think his name was, uh, from Delinquents. Mm. Um, and then I think after all, like the Delinquents guys, like those guys were the one that somewhat like welcomed us into the Volley Arcade as the community and like never really kind of like looked down on us for being there and not being good or not even like practicing breaking as a style, but just practicing our dance that would just kind of like let us do our thing because like i think me learning i was i was learning how to break and i was also like learning how to do like popping and i was taking locking classes um and this was even before i started doing like choreography and stuff like that like i i would just like kind of drill there and it was it would just be like me um like chapman my friend chapman from mute as well mm-hmm. like we go way back since primary school and then like a couple of high school friends that um like you know sadly they they stopped dancing now but you know back then it was just like a, a couple of us that which is like rock up to volley arcade like three four nights a week school nights as well and we catch like the last train home you know like but yeah it was it was really good fun man like um it was one of those careless times you know like carefree not so much careless but yeah carefree we don't have like a lot of um I guess life responsibilities so we can like pour a lot of energy into this into dance and yeah i felt like that was um a good time for me to like that i started i feel yeah that's crazy what's yeah. your most uh, memorable experience with dance we- like you've been dancing for a long time like has there been a moment where like say you got challenged or you challenged somebody and it just sticks in your mind Oh man, so many, bro. Like, <laughs> there were, uh, there's just like times where, like, you know, I I held a handstand more than three seconds. Like, that, that <laughs> still kind of like felt like, 
oh my gosh or like you know when i first got my first like l kick i'm still like, here yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't fall on my face again like, you know um yeah just that or like um i remember i remember when i first first started dancing uh, there was um a high school friend of mine he he like already had a little bit of technique and like you know waving and you know popping so called back then and he was like teaching me how how to do all this kind of stuff and a couple of weeks later he just saw me train he was like oh man this guy's good now all right cool bro like you're good now and i think that kind of sparked it i'm just like let's do it yeah i'm good now how do you get the best now i'm the best yeah like that validation from someone yeah. that kinda, yeah or, taught me and even like if he wasn't that great of a dancer but just like he, he had more experience than i had yeah then and yeah like that that was like really memorable uh for me to kind of like keep me going mm. um and then yeah man even just like i guess comp days were fun as well yeah. like you know learning all of that but I feel like sometimes it's just the, the small memories that like mean the most. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah. Like for sure. Like, I I think, you know, um, yeah, I think just like stepping up on stages where, um, I used to kind of sit in the audience, yeah, watching that, and then like you know thinking that oh Which man, I'm gonna get up there one day, and then <laughs> finally kind of made it up there and be like, holy crap, like this is what it feels like to be on this side you know yeah. i remember um the competition called australian hip hop championship like ahc uh we had to change the names afterwards but you know um yeah like back then the finals was at crown like palms theater at crown like that's probably one of the most like prestigious venues that we've had in our like urban community like in melbourne like almost like you know and also um festival hall with step off as well like you know those two were like some of the venues where i'm just like yeah dude that's so cool to like not everyone get a chance to see what backstage is like in that venue you know like, mm. yeah and i think that was like so memorable um like, i remembered uh festival hall it kind of felt like it was such a spiritual venue for me that you know um we did really well in the competition there and you know um like like there was a point where i just kind of like went down and i just touched the floor of festival hall just to kind of like feel the energy from that because mm. just looking back i'm like man so many great artists has been on this stage and like mm. you know just for for us to have the opportunity to be here as well and just like you know leave our energy behind in this venue it was just like it was yeah it was really nice to kind of like look at it from that sense man yeah mm. wow you gave me goosebumps bro yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i think there's no quite feeling like performing on stage you know what i mean like it's hard to explain what it's like to go out there and like train for like you know countless hours and to have it all kind of come up to like this moment and it's like this build up and you're like just like off the side of the stage you're ready to jump on and then as soon as you're on it's like boom like it's just gone you know what i mean like it's so yeah. quick but it also feels like the longest time ever at the same time like yeah yeah like, do you feel that um do you feel that like there'll be a moment in your dance life that 
it would start off feeling like performances go really, really quickly because mm. you're know, like adrenaline kind of takes over. Yeah. But after you do it like for like a certain amount of years or a certain amount of time, there'll be a point where you're just on stage and you have time to breathe and your mind just like takes over and just be like, dude, just savor this. Like, you know, yeah. Just- yeah. I've only realized that recently. Like that I've only come across that ability to slow down um more recently and just being on stage it's just like this isn't as fast as you think it is you know you can really slow down and just absorb and i could really see the people in the audience and just see how much power you have to like evoke emotion yeah it was was incredible for Mm. sure man and that that stays with you man like you know you come back home or like a month a year from now you can just like sit back and reflect and be like i still remember that feeling of just like right at that moment where something switches and be like oh dang like i can actually feel myself and not my adrenaline taking over or not the music or not the um the, the muscle memory and stuff like that it was just like me being present right at that moment and then like mm-hmm. finally understanding your why and why you're out here with the people on the stage with you doing it for the people out there kind of thing like it's just yeah. like yeah it's it's like a moment nice. of clarity while you're like just there exactly man i think like that's such an amazing thing um and i'm just like super grateful that i got to experience that and i'm still experiencing it you know um through this craft Mm. that i have yeah have you felt that feeling uh in a class setting or any other kind of setting now that um you know i guess we haven't really had like those kind of competitions in a while is there is there a place where you've kind of felt that same kind of feeling though? Um, similar, not not so much exactly the same because I feel like it's uh, like that that feeling is quite specific, and I think it needs to have a specific setting mm. to be able to kind of like hit the exact same spot. But um, I try to be a lot more mindful, and you know, um, during like you know. I'm pretty sure like everything but in class in class i feel like i get to i get to be really present and really watch what's going on and appreciate what's going on when i'm actually not teaching yeah so like you know um let's say when we had our workshops or when i would um, teach a class i would try to give the students like maybe a couple of minutes for themselves to just work out whatever they need to. And I would just like play the music real low and I would just walk around and I would just observe. And I think that's the that's the time where I get to really be mindful and experience what I'm sharing to them. Mm. It's just not me expressing it verbally, but more just me just staying still and just like kind of seeing what's unfolding in front of me kind of thing yeah, yeah that's yeah. probably like one of the closest thing i've um i've come across to what it feels like being on stage is that appreciation of just like yeah all my hard work that i've been trying to even like prepare for this class or all the years that i've been training to get all this knowledge that i have now this is like the opportunity that i get to share and i'm doing it right here and they're actually feeding off it 
right in front of me right now and I'm just like yeah wow this is really cool I feel that that's why I love teaching I feel like it's um having that moment where like everyone is um taking in information or taking in what I've given them yeah yeah how'd you how'd you get into teaching bro because like we have the story of you know how you got into dancing and how you kind of absorbed the culture around you um and kind of yeah and just learn yourself from that but how did you make that transition from being like, all right, cool. Like, I love this dancing. Now I want to start teaching it. Um, man, I, I started teaching publicly in 2010. Mm. Uh, I started dancing in 2007, I'd say. Um, kind of fiddle with it in 2006 so like it kind of gave me like a couple of years but lucky I had that opportunity to teach the crew that I danced with like uh, me and my high school friends we created mute and then um after high school like you know we started recruiting uh, members from outside of our high school because um we're all kind of graduated and stuff like that now so um like you know I think ever since mute has been around like I've been around and that kind of gave me the platform to teach. Mm. And then once I kind of got used to teaching within the crew, for some reason, I just felt like, oh, you know what? I'll try it out. Like, I, I think I have what it takes to, to teach a class. Um, I think back then I didn't know any better. I felt like the next step to my dance career was to teach where like I wasn't told that there, um, there's other paths in dance that you can take, you can do like, you know, you can, I don't know, do showcases or you can battle or you can, you know, um, do videos. Cause I think YouTube wasn't even big back then. Like, you know, all the videos on YouTube was just from our digital camera. And then, yeah, yeah like, you know, God knows how you upload it. Right. Like I, yeah. So um, I think the only, thing that I can see a lot of my friends do back then, like, you know, um, uh, this is going, going back again to like my origin story too. Um, the person who kind of taught me urban choreography and how to teach urban choreography, choreography was Mandy Vo from the collective. So okay. she was dancing for alpha delinquents back then. And like before that she was with, um, her high school friend group which is um, like a three girl group, which is Mandy, Sandra and Bella. We're still like, I'm still friends with them too, but you know, Mandy was the one who took it pretty much all the way. And um, me and Chapman had the chance to, you know, um, to do a, to do like a Lunar New Year festival show in Richmond um, with them. And that was when we had to learn choreography and then, um, that was how I was like, ah, oh, so this is how you make choreography. Oh, this is how you teach choreography. Um, yeah, so I think I took that and then ran with it, uh, like ran with the the concept of how, how to break down a class and how to, you know, um, teach it to another person or to, to a group. Uh, and that's what I did with, with Mute is through through that. And then we, we did another show with Martin Sedgefield as well mm. in Footscray. Lunar New Year Festival this time. <laughs> All the yeah, Lunar man. Like, that was crazy. Like, this was, was that? This was, this was actually before Collective as well. And then, like, you know, oh. when you did, like, our so-called debut 
in a performance that was the same year as Collective 2. And then that was when I met, you know, folks like Trevor. I met, um, uh, I was already friend with Tash because she was in Alpha. Um, and like Lee, Lee Odin, like Sid Matthews, <laughs> you know, like Jose, like all those guys were like, you know, the first lot of Collective before they yeah. expanded to like a bigger group yeah um yeah like that was crazy man and i i feel like that's where i built my foundation of class yeah. like built my foundations of teaching um yeah where was i going with this um yeah it's just where you started teaching. How you started. <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah and um i basically just took i took vince's class at united styles mm. um yeah, that that actually threw me off for a couple of years. Actually, like I um I didn't um like I fully felt like I was incapable of learning choreography, and it kind of just like I told myself, like, yeah, like I can't take class, I can't take class, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. I took that I took that class in two thousand um two thousand and seven. 2008 I think yeah I took that class in 2008 I didn't go back to Vince's class in until 2011 just because like my head was just like no I can't get Vince's class but then Mm -hmm. throughout those years I would take um foundation classes and I would take um like international workshops. I think there was um, there was some workshops where like Tony Tran and Mike Song came down. Cool, uh, yeah. like, uh, there was a Yuri Tag, Taiko Coral from Fish and Chicks oh. came down. That was like 2009, 2010 or something like that. And like, you know, I think that was, um, yeah, really dope. I, I took that and then like, I think I did okay. And that kind of built my confidence in taking Vince's class and everything like that. And then I thought, okay. Um, and then that was when Passion Studio opened, but this was still um, owned by the old owner, Tony. And while I was taking some classes there, I basically told Tony, I'm like, oh, hey, um, if you ever need anyone to sub a class, can you have me in mind? I'll give you my contacts, you know, because um, – Tony was a good friend of um, Jun's and Chapman. Uh, and um, he was like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll keep you in mind. And then, yeah, man, like it literally just took a phone call. Like he, I was on my way home one day after, um, after hairdressing school. And yeah, he basically just called me. He goes, oh, hey, uh, Trevor can't make it in. Can you come in? And I'm like, dude, I have like two hours to get back into the city. I wasn't driving then as well. I had to go home, get changed and come back out. I didn't have choreography to teach. And I was just like making choreography when I was like on the train. I was just like, oh my God. I need to get it done. Yeah. And, and I remember Andrew Downton took that class that day as well as my first class. And I was like, oh What song God. was it? Do you remember what song it was? Ah, man. It was like, yeah, it was the first one you could find. <laughs> yeah, probably, man. Like, oh, it was, yeah, it was tough, but it was um, it was good. There was another studio across from Melbourne Central called Ooh La La. Mm. It was this like Latin ballroom studio, and our our friend Raz uh, from Mute. So she she was teaching there because, um, yeah, this is it's all coming back to me now because 
Raz took a dance course at um, Northern College of the Arts, which is um, Northland Secondary College. And mm-hmm. she graduated from that. So she got a teaching job um, at Ulala. And then she was saying, oh, hey, um, Nak is my director. Can he be my sub? So I would kind of sub her class once in a while. And then once passion opened up, I basically said, oh, hey, I have some experience from another studio. Nice. Yeah, hey, like, you know, kind of do that. And yeah, I just started off as a sub pretty much until, um, oh gosh, I don't even know when I had my first proper regular classes. I actually ended up taking over Raz's um, slot at Ulala Studio for like maybe a year. Yeah, from that, like a weekly one. And then, um, yeah, there was just like, it's a small class, but it was it was a good it was a good amount to kind of start me off, and it wasn't so um, intimidating mm. or anything. And then while I was teaching there, I was training at Melbourne Music Academy, which is MMA um, cool. in the day, like back back in the days as well. And then um, I've never taught there before, ever actually. Yeah. So um, yeah. Damn, I really wanted to teach there at MMA. Yeah, at MMA, yeah. it was like because MMA back then was like that was a shit, huh? Yeah, yeah. that was like. So, Top pretty much like quality. the ML of Melbourne, I'd probably say. Yeah. All the, all the high caliber teachers were there, like Elvin, Vince, like JD, his name was, yeah. And then like all the crumpers, like Homer was teaching there, like Chaos and Roxas <laughs> teaching there too. And then um, like Jigsaw Sneakers was teaching there, like you know, Nish and all that. So like, you know, they were all like high caliber teachers there, man. So I was like, man, I wish I could like teach. Yeah, I think Trevor and Marty and stuff teaches there. You yeah. used to teach there as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, MMA was like pretty much the the peak that I really wanted to kind of take it to. And then unfortunately, like the the time never came. But mm. you know, here we are. It was a crazy scene then, huh? Like oh. I remember seeing oh. like the urban scene like back then. It was just like something else, like the energy, like the cruise, the competition, um, just the vibe. I think there was like this hunger um, where everyone just kind of discovered this thing called urban dance and like you'd be, see all the crews and like they'd go hard on their costumes. I was remember seeing like AHC for the first time before I got into dance and I was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And people would come just to watch as well. You know what I mean? Like you just be fans of dance. And you're just like, oh, I just want to see these dance crews do their yeah. thing. It was crazy, man. It was a crazy time at MMA. Oh, what's that place? Unreal. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was almost like, like the yeah, dancers you know, were like superheroes, you know? Yeah, like you see their posters and stuff yeah, and like, like, you just looked up to them. Yeah, it's crazy. I would, um, I would be like at the clubs and then out of nowhere in the corner, I'm like, oh. <gasps> there's a rewind dance crew out there. And like, you know, they're all just there, just like partying and stuff. And I'm like, fully fanboying around in the I corner, mean, you know, yeah. like, it's just nuts, man. Yeah. yeah I remember, like seeing Vince, like outside of performing, like after I was like, oh my God, it's Vince. <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, look. Oh, do you remember Drumstick? When we got yes, I was just about to say that. I was oh, like, oh my God, that's Drumstick doing head spins, bro. That's crazy. Or like yeah, Timomatic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, damn, these guys are crazy. And, yeah, right? Like, Tim, those were the days. Yeah, like Tim was just crazy because he would just be like hanging out at MMA. And then, like, you know, ever since he got onto like, um, all the TV shows and he made his own like albums and stuff like that. 
all of us are like, oh yeah, this is Tim, you know, but like, he just like, never he was a dancer him. first, you know, like, it, yeah, it was yeah. so sick. Yeah. yeah, he was machine man. He's really good. <laughs> That's dope. Do you have anything um, that you would tell yourself or uh, if you could go back in time now to when you first kind of started teaching, you started, you know, subbing and that kind of stuff, what would you yeah, tell yourself in that situation now, knowing everything that you know, what kind of advice would you give to that? You know, I'm going to start sewing. I'm going to start teaching. I'm going to do my thing. Like, yeah. What would you say? Shit. No, jokes. I think, um, like I would say just kind of stick to your why and like, you know, just always trying to like remind yourself, you know, like why you started, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, understanding who you're doing it for like as much as it is for like myself but i feel like being a teacher is such a selfless craft where you know um you put so much energy in improving yourself just so you can give it to others not so much on putting so much energy on yourself so you can gain all of that Mm. and i think yeah like i would just say you know um if if i could you know um really focus on getting better so you can do better in giving to others not so much and um you know just for myself kind of thing if it makes any sense definitely i get you so thinking about uh how you can serve others better versus yeah. how can I just improve my dancing and what yeah. it's like, how do I think about other people improving? Like, how do I improve that? You know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, you know, being a great dancer is one thing, being a great teacher is another. It's a, it's a completely different ball game. And it took me a while to kind of like understand that, but I was, um, I'm glad that I understood that concept when I did mm-hmm. um, and you know like I yeah of course like I wish I, I would I would have known it uh, before but like you know I think I, I rolled with it um, as much as I could and I think as soon as I found that out that you know in order for you to be a great teacher you need to refine your teaching skills um, I got on it straight away pretty much I'm like okay cool like how do I start becoming a better teacher now more than just like oh yeah like i think i'm okay i'm gonna roll with it like, i just have to kind of keep on elevating and I'm, I'm still doing it today like i'm still kind of always on this journey of being the best teacher that i can um also being the best dancer that i can be as well but you know um those two i i learned how to separate them nice yeah. do you have a favorite teacher oh um Pat Cruz. Oh, nice. Yeah. Why? Sure. why? Why Pat Cruz? I think it's just like the way he, um, the way he understands how to connect with the students, mm-hmm. um, how attentive the guy is in his world and in his craft. It's just like, um, he knows exactly what to do during class. But the crazy thing is like, he knows what he wants, he wanted to do before class also it's like um 
like you know i had i had the privilege to sit down and chill out with him and stuff like that and like just how he prepares a class is just out of this world man like whoa like you know um yeah it just blows my mind in like how much thought and how much energy um he puts in before he steps into that room Mm. and it really shows during class when like he teaches it yeah so i I feel like i enjoy pat's class a lot yeah not not um not only the dancing aspect but you know how he held the class how he teaches the class how he shares his information and everything like that yeah nice yeah no i have to agree man like I just remember doing a workshop and seeing him like sit there in the corner with his like headphones in for like the first, like three classes before him, he was just sitting there. Like you can tell he was just running the music and he was like doing his thing. Like, I don't know what was going on here, but he was preparing. Like every question you have, like I can guarantee you, he will have the answer to you. Like it's just like one, one of those guys that like he's, he just, pre- he over prepares a lot yeah yeah i'm um i think that's what i took from from that experience it's like oh you know like i think i can prepare a little bit more i can prepare a little bit more to the best of my ability yeah yeah so that's interesting man that's cool because you know what like (laughs) i think buddha stretch is also a great teacher oh yeah and i was like talking to him because i was filming his class and i was Uh like hey bro like um what's your what's your game plan for the class like what are you going to teach in class today i was just curious to see where his mindset was at before his class he's like to me like it's gonna go with the flow <laughs> oh wow I like, wish you can do that bro yeah he's like man i'm just gonna read the room see where everyone's at do some drills and then just you know see what they need kind of thing and i was like interesting Dude, that, that reminds me of brian green's workshop when we took his workshop and he's like, all right, you guys usually have choreography prepared. I'm going to make it right on the spot right here. And then I was like, is this guy making Cory? Right? He's freestyling and making Cory. And it's like, whoa, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah I've never seen someone teach a class like that. Yeah. It's nuts, man. I, I, I think like, you know, people like Buddha and Brian Green and stuff like they have that much knowledge you know, within themselves, within the culture that they're in, within the style that they're in, that they're able to find a way to fine tune their um, their teaching method to fit mm. that. Yeah, like you yeah. know, obviously there'll be like things that they can definitely teach you um, using those teaching methods. That um, let's say a, a generic or typical urban choreography class could never t- like could never be able to teach right because yeah, like, you know, sure. like they, they have that knowledge or they have that history yeah where um i feel like if we try to do that in our style in like the urban choreography style it might not transfer um as effectively definitely yeah it's a bit different i feel like it's, yeah. it's almost like a different ball game if anything it is, yeah 100%, yeah, yeah. So it was just interesting to see like that side of things and like that process and how different it is but it's still yeah. dance you know what i mean but it's just yeah. like yeah that's nah, cool um i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it over to like melbourne oh. um now um 
In terms of like Melbourne dance teachers, do you have a favorite teacher or a favorite class that you go to that, um, that you learn from? Dude, I feel like um, I feel like Lani's class is always a vibe. Mm. Um, I I think Trevor's class. I always walk away with a couple of days of just like pondering <laughs> like on my skills, um, just like naturally comparing it to him, and I'm always just like. But in a good way, huh? In such a good way, though. I'm just yeah. like, holy yeah. crap. I can't Make believe I'm friends with Trevor Santos, man. Like, you know, and like, like, it's just like that type of dude that, like, you kind of see him kind of just mess around and see him, like, teach a class so effortlessly. And then he would demo it so effortlessly. And I'm just like, wow. What? <laughs> you know, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Same, same goes to Lani, man. Like, you know, I think those two have. Um, like such a great understanding of their body and like discovered their strengths and they're like okay I think I can hone in on this like you know um, I feel like dancing with Lowell mm. every time I take his class I always feel like I I can reflect on myself as a dancer and reflect on myself as a person yeah and like you know that's just like very well like you know he yeah. kind of like that's the whole thing within a movement is like connecting your dancer self to your your non-dancer self and like you know making that um kind of become one in harmony with it all i'm speaking like lowell now like lowell just gives okay. you that that energy bro you know yeah. Like, like, yeah it's it's dope like i feel like those three um obviously i guess so many other dancers man like you know just like taking your class too david like you know um i i don't even think i've, I've taken tinks's class properly before but you know like i feel like <laughs> Like being friends and like you know, seeing that, like just like I, I, I think all of us, like we, you guys affect me in all different aspects and different perspective and different angles, and like I learned to like appreciate a lot of that um, over the past couple of years, man. Like you know, was, I think before this, like maybe five years ago, I don't. I didn't have a lot of opportunities to take class. Like, you know, I would only kind of um, train with mute or train with rewind, mm. you know, and then like, I'm, I get so used to training with those guys now that it's not that I, I take it for granted, but you know, um, it was such a refreshing feeling to learn from like other um, so-called urban choreographers in mm. with like urban choreography teachers within our scene. Well, I think um, if, if you don't mind, like I, I want to kind of like just expand out outside of urban as well. Like, you know, yeah. I was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Jen Ma. Dance. In, Jen Ma? Like, yeah. Jen Ma in like a contemporary work kind of thing. And like, mm. man, that class, like it wasn't even a proper class. It was just like a training session, but it felt like since I started training with her until now, like that switched and that kind of just threw me into like another path. You can see it, bro. You can see it in your movement. Um, that inspiration from contemporary. Like I noticed that whenever I'm like learning from you, I feel like um, there's like this flavor of like contemporary in there somewhere, like in the mix. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I feel like when I watch I you dance, it's like you've got this another level of awareness, you know, like oh. when you're, you're trying to tell a different story with your eyes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a podcast, so they can't really hear your eyes rolling back. Yeah, man, like, I think that really, um, yeah, it's really interesting for, for Kim to like, to say that, like, I have a, um, like more awareness in my body because yeah, that definitely was like, I unlocked that through working with Jen mm. and like the crazy thing was like, she didn't even teach me a lot of like what I believe would be contemporary foundation. Mm. It was just her feeding me information verbally that she wanted me to move in my own way. And I just happened to move the way that she kind of guided me through. Right. And that kind of just became like a new thing where I'm just like, Oh, cool. I can move like this. Like, you know, I can also move like this. And then that kind of stuck with me. And then I just flipped it into the urban style, even in the crump, you know, like I think that was, um, that kind of expanded like my whole dance world uh, yeah so those are like so, definitely the teachers that i in melbourne that has really kind of shaped shaped me now yeah yeah i feel like that's so crazy because um you're saying that you learned this more mentally than physically like it's not so much that you went in took a class and did a whole bunch of drills on foundation of contemporary but it was just something that she said and sometimes like learning is so much more effective when someone is actually like explaining something to you or giving you knowledge or just giving you something where it could just be like five seconds that you just learned a piece of knowledge that could change your dance style and just unlock something in your head in terms of movement or in terms of the way that you think and yeah. improves your dancing so much more um, than just uh, just the class where you're just doing dance moves and a combo or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, man, and yeah, you know, I think that's that's the that's the next step into becoming um, a different teacher or like a so-called better teacher is understanding that you know that yeah. knowledge is not only about drills; it's more the mental side of it too. You know, like yeah. knowledge is knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I remember listening to Yaya talk about it on the Kinjis podcast. She was saying that. Um, there's 25% of her training is drilling it. 25% is um, visualizing it. 25% is her talking about it with other people. And then the last 25% was her networking with other dancers. Uh, and that, that's her training, essentially. Wow. Yeah, so she considers like talking about it a part of her training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Which I feel like is, it happens in like Crump after we do like a crazy session. You spend just about the same amount of time just talking about one chest pop and, you know, and it's just, yeah. yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, exactly. Because like at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of the times like we, uh, we still connect through words. We still connect through just talking and like, you know, understanding. Dancing is just another another way or like movement is just another way of um communicating you know yeah we were just ever since we were a kid we learned how to 
talk and communicate through words. Mm. Mm. That's cool. I think um, I'm going to pick it up real quick. Um, sneakers. You have a... Oh. <laughs> you got a solid collection, um, you know. I've noticed that you've been getting into um, creating your own um, customized sneakers as well. What? Why sneakers? Like, what is it about sneakers that kind of draws you into them? I wish I can give you like a like an actual answer to it, but it's just like something about it that um, I find really intriguing and. I find a lot of excitement within um, within it being, um, I guess, an object. I I grew up, you know, um, drawing and sketching and designing a lot of things. Like a lot of my um, my primary school years were just all about kind of art and drawing and painting. And then my high school years was all about like visual communication, multimedia and all that. Like, mm-hmm. so I was always being around um, putting my ideas on paper or putting my ideas out somewhere to be seen. And I think just getting into dance and, you know, um, I feel like the hip hop culture in um, like, like specifically, it ties in really closely to sneakers um like it ties in closely to music but you know i think being a dancer it always feels like having fresh sneakers is always you know um a part of your get up and i think connected really well with why i love um seeing it and like you know it's just like another platform for me to like express my personality i can um like you you can tell you can kind of like get the vibe of a person um, from like a glance by, you know, um, how they hold themselves, uh, how they look after themselves, how they um, present themselves, I guess. Like, you know, not not in the judgmental way, but like, you know, just I think me being um, like, you know, just through like a visual kind of sense, I, I tend to um, get drawn to sneakers a lot more than like other kind of piece of clothing. And mm. I still don't know what it is, but it still excites me until today. It's a lot about someone, hey. Or well, there's a lot of character in sneakers. I feel. Yeah, I think so. Like you know, um, and it, it doesn't mean that if you don't have cool sneakers, you're not cool. No. It's just that you know, um, what we you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just really not cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you know, like you you can definitely tell, like um, you know, someone that. Um, care a lot about sneakers might, you know, not necessarily, but just, just for me, like, I, I just feel like, you know, they just love what they love. And um, it just feels like it's a sense of like sense of originality and like, yeah. you know, being like, just it's um, your identity in a way, but some like, I feel like over this past couple of years, it just feels like everyone is trying to look the same by having a similar kind of sneakers. And, you know, it's just another kind of like conformity of society, I feel. And then, you know, I'm trying to break that or um, obviously like I buy what I like. Sometimes what I like happens to be the hype thing, you know, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, well, 
Huh? It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Like it is what it is. I'm going to buy it or I'm going to try to buy it. And, yeah. yeah. I feel you. I think um, the cool thing that I learned from when I was just like working at Foot Locker and at Adidas and selling kicks and that kind of thing, like some shoes, I'd be like, oh, that's dope. I love that shoe. And the other ones, I'd be like, nah, not <laughs> right. I like it. No. Nah. But then someone else will come into the store and be like, yo, that shoe's dope. I freaking, I love this shoe. And I'm just like, what? But the way yeah. they look at it, I yeah. guess it's like, oh, well, you know what? Like everyone's different. Like not everyone is going to be in the same kind of into the same things and people see things differently. And like, it just made me appreciate like how, yeah, something like a sneaker can just really represent like you as a person. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe this person's just into this and I'm not, but I'm into them being into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's like when you feel so passionate about something mm -hmm. it's it's infectious you know like you kind yeah. of get drawn into yeah. it too and you're sure. like oh okay like you know yeah cool. like i'm not i'm not a like i'm not a huge fan of like crispy noodles but man if you're digging into that crispy noodles like you freaking love it i'm gonna mm. dig that too and we're like, yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like in terms of sneakers like working at adidas i was always like i'm i'm the gazelle you know because i'm a b-boy and that's what um b-boys wear you know or like i'm the puma suede because that's what b-boys wear and like that's the shoes that associate with that culture so i always wanted to wear that to make sure people knew that i was a part of that culture that's me yeah <laughs> that's me and, and always like always that that one shoe that kind of like you know sits into different styles and different pockets of the culture yeah, yeah. like you know like um i think the the youtube channel soul origins that you yeah. told me about david yeah like they get into that too like you know like what the europeans wear would be different to what the guys were wearing in tokyo and what the yeah. guys were wearing in la or even in new york like you know like every city or like every place or every culture would have like that signature yeah that's yeah. why shoes aren't available in each like each country you know what i mean there's like specific colors or different yeah. types of shoes that are available because it follows the trends there's someone thinking really deeply about it yeah you know? and there's like a rooted connection within that that location you know and that's, yeah um that's what excites me even more is because like that connects to representation of where you're from and yeah. like i feel like um i'm a strong believer in like you know you repping where you're from yeah um, yeah so it would be really nice to um have like a a melbourne kind of thing which i feel like melbourne is thing is like well, um, I feel like Melbourne's thing is always like triple black or triple white, you know? All the time, right? Yeah, we always have like a triple black <laughs> shoe. Yeah. There's this pair of Nike or Golden Rods. We're like Loki. Oh, I think it's called Golden Rods, I think. Um, or Golden Rail or some, something like that. But it's literally, um, and the nickname for, for those are Melbourne Dunks. Melbourne Dunks. Yeah. Really? And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I designed like um, one of the guys from Melbourne uh, collab with Nike to come up with this colorway, uh -huh. and, and it's like hey, royal blue, beige, gold, and brown. Mm. It's real dope, man. Like you know, um, the the gold is on the swoosh of the Nike. Yeah. 
that gold is the exact same gold as the handrails of Flinders Street steps. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and the brown on the sole is the same brown as the Yarra River. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not the the blue? blue. Oh, okay. And the blue connects to the police. Brown River. Yeah, the cops in in Melbourne where they have like blue and white for their cars. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So, yeah, they call it Melbourne Dunks. That's epic. I I have a pair that was given to me actually by Chapman. Oh, cool. I haven't worn yet, which is, um, yeah, shout out to Chapman for that. Yeah. You got them handy? I want to see that. Oh yeah, well yeah, I I can pull it. It's at the bottom of the giant. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the top shelf, actually. It's (laughs) obsessed with that one. It looks sick. He um he managed to get that pair from um from a skate shop along Swanson Street. So Mm. this was um, do you know where Fast Times is now? Yeah, yeah. Before Fast Times, that that shop used to be called PSC, Uh right? Professional Skateboarding Company or something like that, and. PSC was about to close down and then change their name to Fast Times and they had a clearance sale. Chapman went in, swooped it out for like 75 bucks. Dang. Whoa. And like now <laughs> online, it was going for like hundreds now, man. Like, I'm just like, mm, yeah, never going to sell these. It's a nice Wow. It's, yeah, and it's, it's like a really good piece um, to have in, in a collection, especially from like your home city. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's yeah a, for sure. Like a wonderful thing to have, man. Yeah. There's a lot of skaters in Melbourne, hey? Yeah. There's, a, there's a big skate culture here. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, skating, surfing. It's a very Australian thing, I feel. Like, you know, yeah. even, even the skating started in, like, in America, but, you know, I think we adapted it quite, quite yeah. quickly. Yeah. We're just a bunch of bored cunts. <laughs> <laughs> really, really bored, yeah. Bored. <laughs> Careful cruise, eh? <laughs> Get my longboard. If uh, <laughs> if you were a shoe, what what shoe would you be? We're gonna wrap this up soon, by the way. I think we've gone oh, for yeah. an hour. Uh, oh, if I was a shoe, which shoe would I be? Crocs. Um, <laughs> what? Crocs. <laughs> Crocs. I'd be Crocs. Uh, why? Why? Why would you be Crocs? Because I'm well ventilated and easy to put on. <laughs> And different. Nice. <laughs> I, I can really tell you easily. <laughs> well, how about just right now, if you were a shoe, um, um, to represent how you've, just where you're at, like right now, like maybe it could be something that you're rocking consistently now. Or, yeah. Um, I feel like, because like I'm thinking deeper into this as I'm trying to like mm-hmm. connect who I am as a person, my personality. Yeah. Uh, to a shoe that reflects that the most. Yeah. Right. Um, with, uh, oh man, this is crazy. I would feel like I. It's a tough one. Yeah, I would be. I reckon I would be like, I don't know, the only pair that I can think of right now would be the Dunk Lows. Mm. Um, purely because I feel like it's been around and it's been serving its purpose for a long time. Yeah. And still people these days are still trying to elevate it and they're still trying to kind of like hold its core quality for that. And I think that's what I try to do is like, it's the, it's the longevity game now for me. Like I, I feel so, um, 
yeah, just like Nike Dunks, like it's a lot of people say, oh, Dunks are making a comeback into the scene. But like for me and for like a lot of my friends who love sneakers, like we've never left Dunks ever since we got into them. Like I, I got into them, like I'd probably say I got into them quite late actually. And I got into them when I was like maybe 18. So that was in 2008, 2009. I got into, I got my first pair of Dunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was more like a Air Force One guy before that. And then yeah, got my first pair of Dunks and I was just like, whoa changed my life Dude, that's crazy because <laughs> i was the opposite i got dunks and i never got air force ones like i never got air forces like oh yeah white pair that i got is my first pair of af ones like oh, I look wow. i'm like oh yeah they're cool but yeah, yeah. um yeah i just like never never sussed them and i was like you, you still have any of your dunks i had two pairs i had like a pair of like these red and white ones that were like highs they were like my first pair i don't even if you remember yeah. them, but like they were I remember them at Full Locker. It was either the F1 high or that. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to go with the white and red like dunk. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. And then, I have the white and red dunks as well, but I don't know where they are now, man. I've been trying to look for them for about a month now and it's oh. freaking me out a little bit. Yeah, I've got them. Like, they're just there. Uh, yeah. And I had like this yellow and navy one. It was fucking Yeah, but I, yeah. I, lost, I lost them. Was someone jacked oh, them. Someone- Oh, dang, oh, bro. I know. Oh. Two colorways are, um, I think when you got them must have been the be true to your school return. Because mm. those, those are actually a college colorway from right. back in 85. Um, yeah, so like, you know, the red and white would represent one of the high schools there um, or one of the colleges there. And then the navy and yellow, I have the, I have the white and orange ones. Mm. Yeah, which is from another high school as well. And then I think there's another, another, yeah, there's like a few other colorways as well. I think there's a black and yellow one mm. came out as well. That kind of, I, uh, I think Wu-Tang Clan did did a collab with that also in the same colorway. But yeah, there's also one without the Wu-Tang logo on it. But yeah, yeah man, that, that was like right where, when I started getting into dunks and then I didn't get into dunk lows maybe until like maybe a year and a bit later. Mm. But yeah, I was always, like, when I was a kid, I was always at the high tops. Yeah, yeah man. But yeah, uh, I feel like we can talk about sneakers all day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, cool. I'm going to try to wrap this up because um, yeah. I know like you got class today as well soon. Yes, yep. um, okay. What do you think has been your biggest lesson in life and it can be simple it can be complex but um what do you think has been yeah biggest lesson uh for yourself Mm. so far um i feel like being accepting not so much being accepted but being accepting to a lot of things um you know just like you don't necessarily have to understand or agree with what comes through to you, but just accepting it for what it is. I feel like that has, um, has taught me so much in, in life as in, you know, um, when a situation happens and, you know, I'm just like, Oh, I don't understand it, but let's accept it for what it is. And let's kind of like, you know, get through it 
um, and like react to what the situation is more than just like thinking out of emotions. Just, I think the word accepting is, um, has always played a huge part in like who I am. Um, yeah. Dancer or, or non-dancer, just, yeah. Dope. Yeah. Cool. Damn. That's dope, bro. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very, it, it just can be applied to so many different things. And I think um, it's very relevant now. Um, yeah more than ever to just be accepting of like everything and just kind of yeah, being able to be open to it and kind of yeah. go with the flow with that as well. So. Yeah. And like, yeah, just, yeah, I think coming out and like, you know, um, like coming out with empathy, mm. like, you know, and just like accepting and understanding that, you know, what you don't understand doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong yeah. or, or yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't make any sense all together it could make perfect sense to someone else you know and then like just once again accepting that and just be like okay cool like you know um yeah just being kind and being understanding with what that is yeah has kind of like you know pushed me forward and kept me going um without any type of negative feelings i guess yeah no, no, you can you can really see how you've applied that and the way that you kind of you go about dance the way you go about sneakers the way you go about life like you always seem like you're very at peace with what's happening like it's always cool with you like you just chilled which is right, yeah, um, yeah it, it's dope to see like um and it's very inspiring as well so um yeah man thank you for hanging with us and chatting for coming on bro it was a lot of gems there bro Anytime. Thank you for you guys also for, you know, just being this, like having this platform and, you know, just like doing your part for the community. I feel like, you know, this past couple of years, like this generation, especially like you guys are really leading it, man. And, you know, I'm like super honored to, um, to actually witness it, see it and actually had the opportunity to, you know, walk alongside you guys like man you guys are really doing something man so yeah that means a lot bro um thank you bro i still remember like this is like a little tangent story but before uh step off one year i think uh, we're competing in the same year and like we're backstage and like you kind of came up to me you're like hey man like um i think it might have been your last year competing at step off like you guys uh you guys are the future man like you guys gotta yeah. you guys doing really well like just keep going man and i was like all right okay cool man yeah for sure yeah Yeah. so thank you man for your guidance and everything bro oh likewise man for sure like you guys have taught me a lot more than you guys think thank you brother thanks man all right we're gonna we'll wrap up our uh, our youtube live darius you're still there bro you're still with us Thank you, bro. <laughs> Hella quiet, bro. But... <laughs> dude. <laughs> Sick, dude. Um, yeah, we can. Uh, 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 where can people find you? Just one last plug for you. Um, um, you want to? Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram because uh, it's like very easily accessible on my phone. So I'm um, at niggity yeah, N-I-G-I-D-Y-N-A-K underscore. Um, yeah, I have my Facebook as well. So yeah, you can follow me there. I'm not super active on YouTube um, in my own personal channel or, or Mute Crew's channel. Um, yeah, I also run the Mute Crew channel as well on um, Instagram. So that's all in my bio. Hey. Uh, 
yeah, I also had the opportunity to, you know, um, assist in BAS as well, Burn City Area mm-hmm. Squad. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you can find all of us there. Rewind Dance Crew, Hit 'em, Trip Fam, all of that good oh. stuff. Yes. Damn, heaps of fams. Let's go hard. Dope. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to sign out of this podcast. Um, and we're going to sign up. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Bye.